and I was 100% wrong. <laughs> so when I started to study, I started to be more careful. I wanted, my studying habits came from me being wrong with scripture. So it developed a study habit in me that made me want to know the truth. I needed to know. If I'm going to do this, I need to know. I need to dig into the scriptures I need to find. And the hardest thing for us to do is to grow past what someone has taught us. Because I would be the first one. I was telling people, you ain't baptized in the name of Jesus, you're going to hell. You ain't apostolic, you're going to hell. See a woman wearing a dress, you're going to hell. See a woman wearing some jewelry, you're going to hell. That bro- the hat, mm-mm. <laughs> that's hell. <laughs> but that's what they taught us. And so right now, we're building you from the ground up. And we're starting at that relationship to give you an understanding. That's why we're doing this series called Position But Not Developed. So you learn your position. You learn who you are in Christ. But then you learn, okay, this is who I am. This is how God sees me. This is how heaven sees me. But then you learn, okay, now I need to be developed. Because I'm positioned here spiritually, but my mind hasn't quite caught up with that. And so on today, we're going to do position but not develop. And we don't have that, this, the luxury today. I don't know why. So y'all going to have to pull y'all Bibles out today. Um, and so today we're going to talk from the title of Jesus had to grow up. So you can understand if the example had to go through this, you got to go through it too. And that is the, that's going to be the theme of your life. I want y'all to say it with me. Say, I have to grow up. That's got to be the theme of your life. You can only mature in the areas where you realize you're immature. If you think you've already arrived, you can grow no more. So you have to literally tell yourself, I'm immature. (laughs) I'm immature as a son of God. I have no idea what this means. And God said, okay, boom, I can give it to you. That's why the scripture says that, uh, um, that the truth will make you free. The truth will make you free. It's not just getting true information, but it's also coming to grips with what you know and what you don't know. That's a truth. Because once you say, I don't know, God say, okay, now I can share with you. Now I can tell you. But if you already know and you held in pride and you say, uh, uh, can't nobody teach me nothing. I had a guy that literally said that. He said, no, many pastors can't teach me nothing. Yep. Yep. You're right. And you can't learn nothing either. So we're going to come from the top, the title of Jesus Had to Grow Up. And I want to fly through this because I want to get these gifts to these babies. Um, Jesus had a growth process that was both naturally and spiritually. So we know that he was born as a baby. And so he was born as a baby. He starts his ministry when he's 30. So we got 30 years of, of his life that we don't quite see. So on today, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you what they show us. And so our first scripture is going to come from 
Luke chapter 2, verses 21 through 23. And I'm going to skip on around, and we're going to end in a special place. Luke chapter 2, verse 21, it says, And when eight days had passed before his circumcision, his name was then called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he, could, he was conceived in the womb. So this scripture right here starts us at Jesus being eight days old. And it was custom of the law that at eight days a son had to be circumcised. You had to be circumcised according to the Jewish law. And so we have here Jesus entering into the temple to be circumcised. Verse 22 says, and when the days of their, for their purification according to the law of Moses were completed. So he completed that. Says they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Verse 23, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male that opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. So the firstborn will be called holy to the Lord. And so this is a project process that Jesus had to go through. That's why it says in 22, verse 22, that their purification according to the law of Moses were complete. And so they brought him into the temple. At this time, he was prophesied over. They spoke to Mary, and they let Mary know that your son is going to cause a lot of problems with the government, he's going to cause a lot of problems because he is the child of God sent to redeem. And so, verse 39, Luke 2 and 39, after the purification ceremony, it says, when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own city in Nazareth. Verse 40, that's where it gets interesting. It says the child, talking about Jesus, continued to grow and become strong, increasing in wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. So right here, Luke 2 and 40, we have Jesus growing. So they, we have his birth, then we have him eight days old. Now when you fast forward, it says the child continued to grow and become strong. He increased in wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Verse 41. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. This is why it is important. It's a whole uh, um, dialogue and a whole understanding about how we are to even raise our kids. The scripture says that his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. So this was he was custom to be to learning the Jewish ways, to learning the law. Verse 42, it says, and when he became 12, so now Jesus is 12 years old. In verse 21, he was just eight days. Now we fast forward, he's 12 years old. They said they went up to the feast of the Passover, according to the customs of the feast. Verse 43, and as they were returning, after spending the full number of days, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but his parents were unaware of it. But suppose him to be in the caravan and went a day's journey, and they began looking for him among the relatives and acquaintances. 
Verse 45, when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem to look for him. So they're on their way from the, the feast of Passover, and they had gone a whole day and not even known that Jesus was not with them. So after looking for him, the Bible says in verse 46, then after three days, they found him in a temple. So they were looking for him for three days. I know they were scared. Not just that they lost him, but you just lost the son of God. <laughs> you about to mess the whole plan up. <laughs> and so they says, then after three days, they found him in the temple. Watch this. He was sitting in the midst of teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. Say that again. After three days, they found him in the temple, in church, sitting in the midst of teachers. Now, he's 12 years old. He's come to this on his own, both listening and asking questions. This equals learning. Sitting, listening, and asking questions. That's how you learn. Verse 47, and all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. Why were they amazed? Or how did he get understanding? How did he get answers? By being in the temple, listening and asking questions and sitting among teachers. Jesus had to grow up. So he's not just asking us to do this. He did this. Verse 48, when they saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us this way? Behold, your father and I have been anxiously looking for you. I bet Jesus said, that's not my daddy. <laughs> no, I'm just playing. He probably said that. <laughs> Joseph's not my daddy. I just want you to know. <laughs> That's your husband. <laughs> All right, maybe he didn't say that. Okay. Verse 49. And he said to them, why is it that you are looking for me? Did you not know that I had to be in my father's house? So why y'all looking for me? You didn't know? That I had to be in my father's house. I had to be in his presence learning. Now, Jesus said this at 12 years old. Hmm. So at 12 years old, he said, I had to be in my father's house learning from teachers, listening to teachers, and asking teachers questions. This equals the building of your soul. So Jesus said at 12, I got to start building my soul for my purpose. Jesus had to grow. Because he was building his soul, all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. He didn't just get information, and we want to look at it like that. We want to look at it as if because he came from heaven, 
that he had all the answers. No. So you mean to tell me he came from heaven and still submitted himself to teaching? <laughs> he sets the example. If he sets the example, he lets us know what? This is the only way this can take place. The only way you can build your soul is it has to be through teaching. It has to be by you willingly sitting. The only way you can get a degree is by you willingly learning. You have to enroll in school, take the classes, do the homework, pass the finals, and this is how you learn. This is how you acquire a degree. Verse 50, but they did not understand the statement which he had made to them. So they didn't understand this whole thing about him having to be in his father's house. Verse 51, and he went down with them to Nazareth, and he continued in subjection to them. Y'all hear me? He continued in subjection to them. So although he was the son of God, the Bible said that he continued in subjection to his parents. And his mother treasured all these things in her heart. Verse 52. And Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with men. Well, how did he increase? How did he keep on increasing in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man? One, he was subject to his parents. He was subject to his parents. As a child, 12 years old, he was subject to his parents. You can only grow when you are subject to somebody. Subject or submitting means this, that someone is assigned to take you somewhere. Kids are subject to their parents because the parents have an assignment to grow them up. So Jesus was subject to his parents, he was subject to the temple, he was subject to the teachers. So he kept increasing in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Now, this is in the scriptures twice. Why? Because Jesus had to grow up. Jesus was growing up. Why is this in the Bible? Because he's letting us know, Kirby, that this is how we grow up. We're in a world now that we feel like we can raise ourselves spiritually, and we can't. That's why I told you there are five stages of sonship, and the importance of knowing those five stages of sonship is so you can understand how you see and how you hear. So Jesus grew up. He grew in wisdom and stature with God and man. He was obsessed with his heavenly father. He went to the temple without being forced. He was obedient to his earthly parents. Therefore, he increased. The Bible said he grew. We use some definitions. Grew means he increased. He made progress. He was moving towards a destination. So, Dre, he wasn't just learning to be learning. He knew there was a destination. 
there's somewhere I have to be as I get older. You're not just growing older to die. God has a destiny for you, meaning there's a destination, meaning you start one place and you end up another place. If you start one place and you stay there, that means you never went anywhere. So to grow means to understand that there's a destination. He grew in wisdom, which means knowledge of things human and divine. Knowledge of things human and divine. He grew in wisdom with God and he grew in wisdom with man. He didn't just grow in wisdom with God. He didn't just grow in stature, and stature is a high level of respect gained by achievement. How did he grow in stature? Because he was in the temple learning, sitting, and asking questions, they were amazed at his understanding and his answers. So your understanding and your answers give you stature. What is imparted into you is what gives you your stature. If you don't know none, don't nobody want to hear you talk. I'm just saying. And we're in a world where everybody want to be equal, but the study time ain't equal. The prayer time is not equal. The fasting time is not equal. But we want to all be equal. No. In order for you to get your destiny, you're going to have to do some things. He had favor or grace meaning he had goodwill and he had loving kindness and he was expecting God to move on his behalf. Y'all with me? All right. Now, Matthew chapter 3, verse 16. After being baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water and behold, the heavens were open and he saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and lighting on him. And behold, a voice out of heaven said, this is my beloved son who I am well pleased. Now, we just fast forward 18 years. Now Jesus is 30 years old. He's 30 years old. So at 12 years old, he's in the temple. He's learning. He's subject to his parents. But he doesn't get the Holy Spirit upon him for 18 more years. So he doesn't get the Holy Spirit for another 18 years. <laughs> We've been in church three days. I'm full of the Holy Spirit. Because the purpose of the Holy Spirit coming upon you is for your assignment. So he didn't need the Holy Spirit until he had an assignment. The thing about us being in the body of Christ is this. Everybody in here is anointed. Everybody in here is anointed because you're in Christ. You're anointed. But the question is, what are you anointed to do? Everybody wants to be anointed, but anointed to do what? Some people want to be anointed to just get attention. But the anointing is to destroy yokes. And so everybody's anointed to do something. You just got to find out how you do it. 
When I teach, I'm anointed to teach, meaning when I teach, yokes get destroyed, chains break, understanding happens. So for the last 16 years, I've been in prayer, I've been in fasting, I've been reading the word. I've had leaders over me, people taught me, teaching me rather, all for the purpose of what? The destination. So I'm going to read that again. Verse 16, after being baptized, because Jesus got baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending on him as a dove and lighting on him, and behold, the voice of heaven said, this is my beloved Son, who I am well pleased. That's why the Bible says that the Holy Spirit is a seal, God gives you the Holy Spirit. When he gives you the Holy Spirit, this is what he's saying. This is my child who's ready to be developed. Now, we're going to fast forward. After Jesus received the Holy Spirit, Luke 4, chapter 4, verse 1, is where it gets good. It's already good. Luke, chapter 4, verse 1. Jesus, being full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led around by the Spirit in the wilderness. Verse 2, for 40 days being tempted by the devil, and he ate nothing during those days, and when, he had, when they had ended, he became hungry. So, we started at eight days. Then we went to when he was 12 years old. Then we went to when he was 30. And all it talked about was his growth and him receiving from the Father. So now that he has received the Holy Spirit, he has increased in wisdom. He has increased in knowledge. He has increased in stature. He has increased in favor. The Bible says he was full of the Holy Spirit. He wasn't filled. There's a difference, okay? Filled means that the Holy Spirit is there to influence you. It's there to influence you. It's the equivalent of everybody in here talking to Chris. And we're telling Chris, you can do it. God loves you. God wants you to be great. He, it's influencing. But the thing about the, him, the Holy Spirit influencing us is that it needs to get past our will. If it never gets past our will, we can never be full of the Holy Spirit. So we are first filled, meaning that it comes to influence, not just it comes to influence, but the, the, it comes to influence us with the uh, intentions of permeating our soul. So when the scripture says that Jesus is full of the Holy Spirit, that means that it has covered every part of his soul. So that means he has given his will to the Holy Spirit. He has given his appetite to the Holy Spirit, his aversions, his character, his disposition, his intellect. All of that has been given over to the Holy Spirit to control. And we'll do another teaching on that so you can, you know, so you can see it scripturally how you have, it is, it's up to you how you grow. But it all starts with you giving over your will. It all starts with you having a desire to learn. 
So it says Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit. He returned to the Jordan and was led around by the Spirit in the wilderness. Now, this is what the wilderness is. The wilderness is a dry place. It's a desert. Spiritually, it represents a time in which we've all had these times. You ever went to pray and you felt like you didn't hear God? You couldn't feel God? He wasn't there. Has it ever happened to any of y'all? Or y'all super spiritual? Y'all always feel the Spirit. You might, I don't know. But this happens. And, and this is what's going on when that happens. It's a famous saying. They're saying that the, the teacher is always quiet when the student is taking a test. So you have these moments in your life where you can't hear God. And what he's doing is he wants to see how much of him is in you. So what do you do when you can't hear me? That's when you have to rely on the word that's in you, the teacher that's in you. So it said that he was led around by the spirit in the wilderness for 40 days. Now he's 40 days in the wilderness and he's fasting. But the scripture says that he was being tempted by the devil. So the spirit led him into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. So God withdrew his presence and allowed the devil to come and talk to him. For the purpose of seeing what? Where you are. That word tempted means to ascertain the quality of your soul. That's why I'm telling you, when people come up to you and offend you, when people attack you verbally, the Bible says no weapon that is formed against you will prosper. And every tongue that rises against you in judgment, it says you will condemn it. It don't say God will condemn it. It says you're going to condemn it. God said, I'm not going to condemn it. You're going to condemn every tongue that rises against you. How? By carrying out the orders that I have spoken into your spirit, by being Christ-like, by understanding your position, knowing that you are a light. If you are a light, you can't go dark. <laughs> you get it? You can't go dark when somebody attack you. The scripture we read last time, bless those that curse you. Pray for those that use you. It's times in your life where he's testing to see. He allows the devil to speak things into your head. He allows people to attack you, and it's only for the purpose of seeing how mature you are. So Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit. He was tempted by the devil, and watch this. He still sustained a 40-day fast. The scripture said he ate nothing, so this was a dry fast. This was an absolute fast, Dre. No water. So he's in the wilderness. God has withdrawn his presence. I'm going to say it again because I need you to get it. God has withdrawn his presence. The devil is tempting him, and he's hungry. All, he's doing all this to see how mature you are. Jesus had to grow up. So you know you're going to take some night classes. Because we are in, because a lot of people think in Christianity we are not supposed to go through stuff. Yes, we are. 
Yes, we are. We are, the, we are the ones who are supposed to bear the burden. But the thing about it is this. When you are not yoked to Jesus, the burden is not light. <laughs> it's not light. But when you do it in his strength, you can endure that. That's why the Bible tells us to abide in Christ. You're going to go. It's going to be a lot of resistance. It's going to be a lot of times that you go without. I told you when we first got married, we, did, we got married in 2007. We didn't have no money coming in to 2009. No real money. 2008, I think we got like $700 a month. We got, I got a wife and two kids. What are we going to do with that? But it's periods of time where you do go without that. Why? Because he wants to see, are you after my hand or do you, are you after my heart? Do you want to be like me or you just want stuff? If I give you stuff without me, you're going to drown. It's going to lead you away from me. So I'm telling you this so you can grow up intentionally so you can get your what? Stuff. Because he wants to give it to you. I told y'all, Tremaine used to laugh at me because I used to buy all my shoes from Walmart. Yes, you was a bully. You was a spiritual bully. And I was older than him. <laughs> he bullied me because of my shoes. I ain't got no fashion. But you gonna wear them? <laughs> yes, because my family was the most important thing. It wasn't important how I looked. Now I got like 50 pair of Adidas. I'm trying to give shoes away. If you wear a size 12, let me know. You don't wear a size 12, boy. <laughs> he been after that collection for the longest. I tell him I'll get you a collection when your feet stop growing. <laughs> so after all this, Jesus has now qualified himself to run the race. He has now qualified himself for his destiny. And so what I have to do with y'all, I have to inundate you. I have to overload you with biblical proof that you have to grow for these two reasons. One, so you can lose the guilt. If you understand you are immature, you are an infant. If you understand that you, you have an orphan heart, if you don't think you have an orphan heart, you lying to yourself. We all have an orphan heart. I told you, the only way you can be qualified or disqualified from the orphan heart is that you had to grow up in heaven. So I have to constantly give you this so that you would Lose the guilt. You're growing up. You are not supposed to be perfect in this. And there's a difference between perfect in God and perfect in man. Man's idea of perfection is you don't make no mistakes. That's why they call Christian hypocrites, because they make mistakes. Because Christians try to act like, because they're saved now, I don't smoke, I don't drink, I don't watch this, I don't go here. That, don't mean, that means absolutely nothing. What's in you? That's the only thing that counts. Okay, you don't go to the club. Big deal. But you don't pray either. <laughs> you don't drink, you don't smoke, but you don't fast either. You don't read the word. We're so used to giving what we don't do. You ever hear someone brag about the love of God being in them? Well, 
Probably not. The second reason is I have to give you an understanding that you have a responsibility in this. So you are growing up, but it's your responsibility to grow. It is your responsibility to crack the Bible. It is your responsibility to pray. Why? Because it's your destiny. That's why I told you. Let me say it again. I don't see no haters. People start growing and they getting their stuff and you not getting yours. So you got the crooked eye. All because of what? You won't put in the time. You won't show up at the temple. You won't listen to teaching. You won't ask questions. You don't want to learn. <laughs> and so when people pass you up, David said something that I thought was so powerful. He says he has more, his knowledge of scripture was greater than his teachers. He said that his knowledge was greater than his teachers. How was that? Somewhere along the line, the teacher stopped. And one thing Hart Ramsey said to me, they said that I thought was very powerful, it would be a dishonor for me not to study and stand up here. Y'all hear me? Teachers, preachers, it would be a dishonor for you to stand before people and you have not studied. It's a, the Bible says be prepared to give a hope for the uh, answer for the hope that lies within you. It is a dishonor when people want to know about your faith, know about your father, and you can't tell them nothing. It's a dishonor. You're dishonoring the call. You're dishonoring the ministry of reconciliation. You can't reconcile somebody to something you don't know. That's why I teach the way I teach. You have to know what it means to be born again. If not, how are you going to tell somebody else? I went to a church one day. And I asked uh, one of the members, I said, what must I do to be saved? Because that was the thing they told us at Apostolic. You know, first thing you got to ask somebody is what must you do to be saved? If they don't say you got to be baptized, if they don't repeat Acts 2.38, don't even listen to them no more, which was false. But it is what it is. But I asked the guy, and the guy said, I'm going to take you to the pastor. Bye. I ain't coming to that church. You don't know. If you don't know and you've been going there for X amount of years, then I was working at a job one time. I know I'm all over the place. And this guy, name was Brian, white guy, very funny. He, he had been working at the same place, a medical supply store, for three years before I got there. And he told me how much he made. And he only made 20 cents more than me. And I just started. So I'm looking like this is what I got to look forward to? Three years? A 20, 20 cent raise? What am I saying? If you've been doing something for so long, you should be further along than people. That's how you get your assignment is go further along. I have people right now that I can call and ask questions because why? They are further along than me. Okay. Luke chapter 4, verse 14. And Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and the news about him spread 
through all the surrounding districts, verse 15, and he began teaching in their synagogues and, and was praised by all. So he's 30 years old and he's just started teaching. But at 12, he was listening and asking questions. Why am I saying this? Because we want to, as soon as we learn something, we want to teach. 18 years. And he just began teaching. And then the scripture said in verse 14 that he returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. Now, what I'm about to say next is, uh, yeah, whatever. Um, I run into so many Christians, and you know what they want? They want the power of Jesus. They want to heal. They want to cast out devils. They want to see the miraculous. I talked to one brother, and he said, yeah, uh, uh, I'm going to this church. I said, didn't you leave that church? He said, yeah, but I'm back now because the church got power. No, this is what he said, okay? He left at the inception of the church. The church was just starting. We're not supposed to, I'm cool that ain't nobody, no devil's getting cast out right now. I'm cool that ain't no blind eyes being opened because I know that we have to grow up in this. The first year of the church, he leaves because ain't no power. You're not supposed to start with power. You're supposed to grow into power. Verse 14 says, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. He didn't just start counting. At 12 years old, he wasn't casting out devils. He wasn't doing the miraculous. He wasn't opening the eyes of the blind. This is what people think. Like, soon as you get saved, you automatically, that's, no, the first goal of, after you get saved is to grow up. That's it. And it says, then the news about him spread. So God advertised him. God promoted him. Verse 16, and he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up and as was his custom, he entered in the synagogue on a Sabbath day and stood up to read. Okay, did y'all get that? He came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, raised, where he grew up. And as was his custom, he went to church. It was a custom. He was used to doing this. It said, on the Sabbath, and he stood up to read. Verse 17, and the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. I like this. And he opened the book and found the place where it was written. Watch this. Verse 18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the gospel. He, sent, he has sent me to proclaim, release to the captives, and recovery of the sight of the blind, and to set free those who are oppressed to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. Now, the first thing he said was, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Now, this just happened last month. He just got the Holy Spirit last month. But then he said, the Holy Spirit is upon me because he has anointed me. Not to anoint me. That's how most people read, that the Holy Spirit came upon him to anoint him. No, because he is anointed, because he is a child of God, he is anointed. The Holy Spirit is there as a helper 
to help him in his assignment of doing what? Preaching. Releasing the captive. Recovering the sight of the blind. Setting free those who are oppressed. And then verse 19 says to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. Now, favorable means this. The most blessed time when salvation and the free favor of God profusely abounds. So what he's saying is, God sent me here to proclaim the favorable year of, of the Lord or to release the dispensation of grace. He came to release the dispensation of grace. But he's reading the Bible. And he found himself in the Bible. He found himself in the Bible. Verse 20, it says, and he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. Watch this. And the eyes of all the synagogue were fixed on him. Everybody in there looking at him. Everybody in church is looking at him. Did he just say that? Because, because of what he just read. Because of what he just read. Let me read it again. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Now, he's reading from Isaiah. But, but the scriptures is referring to him. And so the Bible says in verse 20 that everybody in the synagogue was looking at him. Their eyes was fixed on him. Everybody look at Dana. <laughs> was fixed on him. But watch this next thing he said. Because the Bible, it said he closed the book, gave it back to the intendant, and sat down. Everybody looking at him. And Jesus said, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. I'm the one. <laughs> he said, I'm the one that the scripture's talking about. Why did I say that? Because when it's your time, you need to know it. You need to know it. But watch this. How did he know that was referring to him? Because it was his custom to enter the synagogue to learn. <laughs> this wasn't the first time he read the scripture. He was comfortable in the word. He grew into his destiny. He was full of the Holy Spirit. And watch this. That is what this life is all about. It's about growing into our destinies. Y'all with me? But watch this. You can't accomplish anything if you're not consistent and persistent. Consistent means you have to continually do it daily. You miss a day here and there, okay, fine. But it has to be consistent. It has to be something you do over years, over time. And then you have to be persistent, meaning when situations and circumstances come, stop letting stuff stop you. You get a paper cut, and you can't pray that day. I might be over-exaggerating a bit. You get a headache. You can't read. Every little thing happened to you. And with that being said, stop letting people waste your time. Stop letting people waste your time. If they don't know the direction they're going, they need to either follow or move out the way. 
I'm going to say that again. If they don't know where they're going, they need to either follow or get out the way. But don't waste your time with people who aren't trying to go. You have to be persistent and you have to be consistent in what you do. And Jesus set this example for us. It don't matter what the Pharisees said. I only do what my father tells me to do. <laughs> I know y'all want me to do this on a Sabbath day, but this is a direct order. If Jesus said, watch this, because I'm about to kill a lot of stuff that church folks say. If Jesus said, I only do what my father tells me to do, then when he healed on the Sabbath, why did he do it? His father told him to do it. If he only do what his father told him to do, why did he wait four days for Lazarus to die and then go speak to a tomb? Because his father told him to do it. Most people want to do miracles. They want to do signs. They want to see the wonders. And there's nothing wrong with that. But Jesus only did it because the father told him to do it. He wasn't walking around looking for blind people. He wasn't walking around looking for dead folks. A woman is walking in a, there's a funeral procession going on. A woman has lost her only son. Jesus feels compassion, lay hands on the coffin, the boy get up. His father told him to do that. He, did, he said it himself, I only do what he tell me, I only. If he say I only, then that mean everything that he did was given, given to him by the father. That's why you have to grow up. You have to grow up to hear a father. The Pharisees didn't want him to heal on the Sabbath day because they, they grew up and heard the law. So Jesus set the example for us. He lived the life and gave us the spirit to be led by the spirit. The Holy Spirit teaches us how and what Christ would do in any given situation. I'm going to give you an order. First, be led by the Spirit, meaning obey the Spirit. When you're led by the Spirit, you eventually walk in the Spirit, meaning you will conduct yourself according to what the Spirit is telling you to do. After you have walked in the spirit for so long and you have grew in walking and conducting yourself in a manner, now you can live in the spirit. Now, these are all things that the Bible is telling us to do. It tells us to walk by faith, not by sight. It tells us to walk in the spirit, to live in the spirit, that we are citizens of heaven, that we are aliens and foreigners here. But if, you don't, if you're not led by the spirit, then you can't walk in the spirit. Then you can't live in the spirit. It's all about growth. Now, these next set of scriptures I'm going to give you are going to show you that Jesus was just like us. I want to remove the excuse. I wish that thing worked so bad. I want to remove the excuse of us saying that, well, Jesus did that because he was God. No, the same spirit that was in Jesus is in you. The same spirit that was upon Jesus is upon you if you have the Holy Spirit. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14, and we're going to go through 18. Fly through this. Therefore, therefore, 
since the children share in flesh and blood, talking about us, because we are in flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same. That through death he might render powerless him who had power of death, that is the devil. So he's saying, look, when Christ was in heaven, God's son was in heaven, he came and took on a body to be like us so that we would not have any excuse to say, well, he was God. Verse 15, and might free those through, who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. Verse 16, for surely he did not give help to the angels, but he gave help to the descendants of Abraham. In the Old Testament, they called, they called the angels the sons of God. In Hebrew chapter 1, um, the writer of Hebrew clarifies that. That God never called the angels his sons. But that when he, when he presented Jesus, the angels worshipped him. And that's why I told y'all that the angels are ministers uh, of fire or ministering spirits that sent to minister to the heirs of salvation. That's why it says in verse 16, for surely he does not give help to angels. But he gives help to the descendants of Abraham being us. Verse 17, here you go. Therefore, he had to be made like his brethren in all things. Y'all hear that? He had to be made like his brethren in all things. So when you look at your life, when you look at yourself, after receiving salvation... There is no excuse for you to say, I can't do this. Because Jesus had to be made like his brethren in all things so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make a propitiation for the sins of the people. Verse 18, for since he himself was tempted, in that which he has suffered, he is able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. So since he was tempted by the devil, you're going to get tempted by the devil. But since he's already went through it, and you now have the spirit in you that took him through that, he's able to aid you. This is why he told his disciples to practice righteousness. He wasn't just telling them that for the fun of it. He was telling them to pray because that's what he did. He was telling them to fast because according to scriptures, that's what he did. He was telling them to fellowship because that was what he did. He was telling them to give because that was what he did. He was telling them to study the word. Why? Because that was what he did to grow up. He wasn't telling them to do something that he had not done. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 and 16. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 and 16. We're about to close this out. Verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. Y'all hear that? 
For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are. Yet without sin. So the scripture is telling you that there is no temptation that has come to you that Jesus has not already went through. Sexual, financially, jealousy, envy, strife. I know he wanted to slap a Pharisee. You can't tell me he didn't want to slap a Pharisee. You can't tell me this boy was a virgin and he's at the well by himself with a prostitute. You can't tell me devil ain't speaking to him. <laughs> Bro, this your chance. <laughs> It's your chance. The scripture lets you know in all things. When he was fasting, he was tempted to eat. <laughs> in all things. People lied on him. With the power of God. I bet with all that power, he slapped somebody. Lord Jesus. <laughs> he was tempted in all things. Mm. Verse 16, therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. So not only did he go through all that, but he allowed us to see his life, read his life, understand his life. He gave us a spirit. So all you can say is that I'm equipped to do it. That's why the Bible says the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak. That's why the Bible says that there's no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh. <laughs> Most of the people stop right there. There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Nope. To those who walk not in the flesh, but in the spirit. Walking in the flesh is your condemnation. But as long as you walk in the spirit, you cannot be condemned. There is no law against walking in the spirit. Amen. Last scripture. All right. Philippians 2, 5 through 7 or through 8 says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So all of this setting that we just read was the mind of Christ. What is the mind of Christ? I got to grow up to get my destiny. Let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, not is in Christ Jesus. Was is a linking verb connecting you to the past. So when we look in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we can see the mind of Christ. I only do what my father tells me to do. I fast for 40 days. I pray. I seek his face. The mind. So when the writer says, let this mind be in you. Don't let a mind be in you that's always distracted by other people. That mind is always on Facebook. That mind is always concerned with what everybody else thinks about you. Jesus could care less. And he had it difficult. Because watch this. Herod, the government tried to kill him. The Pharisees was against him. The Sadducees was against him. The scribes was against him. Now, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the scribes, they had all the pool back then. They had all the authority amongst the people. On top of that, 
his own brothers and sisters didn't believe in him. That's why he said that a prophet is without honor everywhere but his own house, <laughs> amongst his kin. So you're in good company when people don't believe in you. <laughs> That's okay for people not to believe in you and support you. You know what that means? Y'all ready for this? It's deep. No, it's not that deep. I'm just playing. Uh, that means they're not connected to your destiny. Keep it moving. You don't believe in me? I keep it moving. I'm not meant for you. I'm not your cup of tea. I'm fine with that. But I can't stop what I'm doing to be your buddy. I can't stop what I'm doing to get your life, get you to like me. So let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. Mm. But he made himself of no reputation. Taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of man. Now, this is what a bondservant is. One who gives himself to another's will. Those whose service is used by Christ in extending and advancing his cause among men. Y'all got that? Or we'll read it again. Say again. Read it again. Okay. A bondservant is one who gives himself up to another's will. Those whose service is used by Christ in extending and advancing the cause among men. His cause. It is those who are devoted to another to disregard their own interests. Okay. Verse 8, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even as the cross. Now, I'm about to close. Jesus had to grow up, all right? His only advantage over us was that he knew the Father, and he knew his world. He knew the Father. He understood the kingdom. This is why he positioned us. He positioned us so that by grace we could grow in a relationship. But we could only grow as we learn. Because his only advantage was that he knew the Father. That's why he was able to block out the noise. Because he knew the Father. He knew how the spirit realm worked. This was his only advantage over us. That's why he gave us Pastors, prophets, evangelists, teachers. I know they misuse people all the time. I know that happens, but not everywhere. But this is the only purpose, this only thing, advantage he had. He wanted us to learn of him because he was meek and lowly of heart. He wanted us to learn the love pattern of the Father, which is what? Receive love from the Father, love yourself, and then love others. He wanted us to learn that because that's how he did it. He wanted us to learn the Father's plan. He wanted us to learn what the Father wanted to do in earth with your life and with us as a community. That's why the word has to be taught to your soul in a particular way. So that your soul can engage it for growth. You don't need to be taught the law. 
You don't need to be taught sin. That's not what we're here to learn. We learn those things because why? It stops our destiny. Sin stops your destiny. You have this great glorious destiny, but the only thing stopping it is sin in your flesh. The only thing stopping you from getting what God wants for you is that you have not grown up to receive it. You are too immature to receive what he has for you, or you're not willing to work for it. The mind has to be taught, all right? It feeds off of images or imagination. Your mind, is, your mind feeds off a of vision board. That's why we do vision boards. Your mind f- feeds off of teaching, all right? So you have to be taught marriage. You have to be taught manhood, taught womanhood, taught how to be a spouse, taught how to be a dreamer, taught how to love. You need to be taught. You have to be taught that. The heart has to be preached to because the heart is emotional. And so while the mind learns off of images, the heart learns off of movies. Your heart is filled with what? What you've been through. It's filled with what you've been through. So anytime somebody says something to you or do something to you, a movie replays in you of when it happened before. So your mind has to be taught, but your heart has to be preached to. The both need to grow. Both of them need to grow in order for your soul to grow. This is why we do church. This is why we do family. This is why we do community. Kids can only grow up in family. They say it takes a village to raise one, right? You can only grow up in family. Why? Because your love has to be tested. Your peace has to be tested, and it can never be tested when you by yourself. Because no one's challenging you. So you have to rub up against other people in order for you to grow. That's why it is important. Family, community, nation. The both... Speaking of your soul and your mind or your heart and your mind, the both need to be challenged. That's why we ask you to fast. It's a challenge to see where you are. That's why you're asked to pray. It's challenging your soul and your heart. That's why you're asked to study. That's why you're asked to give. It's challenging. It shows you. If you can give, that means you're generous. If you can't give, what that means? What does that mean? She says, stingy. (laughs) I just want to see y'all verbiage. (laughs) That's why you're asked to serve. Because if you can't serve, then God can't have people serve you. If you can't serve, God can't have people serve you. And your destiny requires a team. There's no solo destinies in here. Your destiny is going to require you to have a team. This is my destiny. It requires people. So if I never serve people, then God never give people. Mm. So this is all about dominating your flesh Dominating your mind, dominating your heart, dominating your soul, and this is the proof of maturity. My last scripture, 
Proverbs 22 and 6 says, train up a child in the way they should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart. That's why I tell people all the time, you are a sum of what life has given you. Okay? Whatever you are trained to become is what you are. By default. You had no say-so in it. But now you have the opportunity in this environment to grow up and be as a child of God and be what he wants you to be. It don't matter what. That's my son right there. Right now he's 14. By the time he get my age, he's going to be talking just like me. He don't know it. <laughs> but he's being trained. So when he gets to a certain age, he can only say what was what? Trained, what it was taught to him. And so you, as a child of God, you have to intentionally do what? Train yourself. You got to get rid of the fleshly mind. You got to get rid of that mind and bring in the mind of Christ.